0: Morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Jenna Clark and I serve as a deacon in our congregation. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads for the prayer of invocation. We are seeking after you, loving God, for you are our refuge. Your power is at work with and among us, even when we are unaware. We want to respond to bring all that we have and all that we are as an offering. We have come to discover the riches we did not know we possess. Make us alive and aware of your presence in our midst, that we might become your vessels. We are here to offer ourselves for the good of all, to bring what we have. Amen. Let us praise God through our worship.
1: Good morning. morning. In body or spirit, please stand for the responsive call to worship found on page three. God is gracious and merciful and trustworthy. Let us join our voices in giving thanks. We are called to faithfulness as God is faithful. We are people of the covenant gathered to please God. Come, then, as wise and faithful people. Come as a beloved community of the redeemed. Let us worship God.
2: The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because we have faith in him, we dare to approach God with confidence. In faith and penitence, let us confess our sin before God and one another. O God, we know that there is nothing that we can hide from you. You know when we hide from your calling when we deny and hoard our gifts and resources, when in our fear we see scarcity rather than trusting in your bounty. We confess that we fail to trust that there is enough, that we are enough. We admit that we have faith that lacks the vision and imagination to see beyond our current circumstances or to embrace amazing, miraculous possibilities. We miss the signs of your grace and resist the empowerment of your spirit. Mighty God, still the storm within us with your transforming peace and boundless forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Let us now say what we believe using the universal words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. And now with great sensitivity to each other's comfort in doing so, let us exchange a peace of Christ with one another. Peace be with you.
3: Good morning, morning. welcome to worship here at Church of the Palm. so glad that you are with us and it is always good to be together as the people of God and to know that Christ is in our midst and that the Holy Spirit seeks to empower us to be in the world for the sake of our Savior. So we encourage you to take a look at all the announcements that are in the bulletin, a couple to highlight, Uh, 39... High school students and adults returned safely back yesterday, last night, and, uh, and that was the same amount of people as went uh, the week before. So, we miracles of miracles, but uh, it was a great week, and thank you for your prayers for our high school students, and uh, that's such an important week for them. Uh, in Montreat, and we look forward to hearing some of their stories in a couple weeks uh, when we have our student ministry Sunday. Speaking of students, we would love for you to join us in the Um, in the resurrection of our tutoring ministry, which uh, we had to put on hold last year with COVID, Uh, but this year we are ready to go again, and you'll see information about that on page 13 of your bulletin. Uh, If you'd like to volunteer to be a tutor, if you know students who would perhaps could use some tutoring over the course of the year, please let us know. Information, as I said, is on page 13 in the bulletin. Uh, Sarasota Young Voices is sponsoring this wonderful concert on August the 6th. Songs, from the 50s and beyond, and we encourage you. uh, I think tickets are going pretty fast for that, so if you want to make sure you get a seat uh, over in the Campus Center on August the 6th, then uh, the information about that is on page 13 as well. We are all aware of the rising infections that are happening around us and within us as a body, and uh, we just want to simply encourage you, encourage you, Uh, to take care of yourself and we hope that you'll get vaccinated because that will help to protect you if by chance you're not vaccinated or haven't gotten there yet we encourage you to wear a mask Uh, but we want to do the best we can to take care of one another that's been our mantra ever since the beginning we get to take care of each other so we hope that you'll do that we're going to do the best we can as we make our way through this season Uh, but we hope that you'll take uh, Take good care of yourself, and that uh, we can get this virus out of our system, so we can return to some semblance of normality. Um, We want to keep you posted on Alan Rada, who is continuing to recover. You maybe. Remember that he had an episode of congestive heart failure a few weeks ago, Uh, had the chance to visit with Alan a couple of times this week. He was at our staff meeting, and he's resuming his calling to people from home, and we're grateful for that. And uh, he's going to be away for a few more weeks, and we'll hopefully welcome him back to worship in the latter part of August. But keep him in your prayers. He wishes all of you the best, and he wants you to know that he's on the road to recovery, and we look forward to having him back real soon. We are, want to extend our great appreciation to one of our steady, 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 steady worship leaders, and that's Brandon Evans here, who is on his way to law school. Um, he is heading off to Emory Law School. Uh, this, Yes, yes, give him a round of applause. Brandon has uh, really been such a wonderful leader, and we all know what a beautiful voice he has. And we look forward to you setting the world of law on fire. So, uh, <laughs> best of luck to you. And we are uh, grateful to welcome to our pulpit today, Sarah Soboleski, who is. Uh, Presently now, our Director of Ministry and Mission here at Church of the Palm. she's just moved her role. She was involved with family ministry for quite a while uh, during the interim, and Sarah has a new role with us, kind of overseeing the programmatic ministry of our church, and uh, we are grateful that she will, along with Jen VF, she is on this path toward ordination in Peace River Presbytery, and uh, they are on uh, a dual course of going to Dubuque Seminary for their Master of Divinity degree. They'll be away on august doing that but uh sarah we're so glad that you're here and preaching for us today let us continue our worship Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks this day for the chance we've been given and the chance we've taken to gather in person and online to worship you. Our mothers and fathers from long ago, divined that the chief end of human beings is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. By grace, we have heard your invitation to join with your people in song and scripture and prayer and praise. We have put down stakes on this Sabbath morning and have been drawn by your Spirit into your presence to the very act that roots us and centers us and feeds us and inspires us and gives us peace. We long for peace, O God. We long for wholeness. We long for shalom. We are a harried people. We are an anxious people, an uncertain people. We turn on the news or scroll through our phones or click on the clickbait and we are consumed and overwhelmed by all the noise, all the static, all the doom, all the things that are wrong or all the things that will be wrong. And we wonder sometimes if we've done enough, or if we have chosen wisely, or if we have provided for those we love, or if we have taken care of our bodies, or if our grandchildren will have a good future. And all of a sudden we start to pay attention to all the things we don't have, and not all the things we do have. We could be here all day if we paid attention to all the things we do have, O God. We could start the list right now and still be here tomorrow morning. And at the top of the list and at the bottom of the list and all the way through the list would be the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end and the in-between. Jesus, the living Christ. Jesus, the living Christ, who promised his presence in our lives in every moment. Jesus, the living Christ, who says that he will be with us to the close of the age. Oh, to dwell in the perpetual presence of Christ, to be enveloped within the gracious presence of Christ, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me. Oh, what a gift to dwell in the presence of Jesus, to hear his tender words of mercy and love to be assured that there is nothing in this world that can separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. So we thank you for that command that tells us to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, for in the holiness of it we find your peace and your presence, or we find your peace through your presence. So we pray for the world today. And in praying for the world, we pray for ourselves, not for the things we want, but for the things the world needs through us. We offer ourselves to the world today, O God, for as much as we would boldly pray for the indwelling presence of Christ in our souls, so we would pray that such presence might emanate from us into the broken world, that the world might find peace, that the world might live in love, that the world might truly give thanks for the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me. For we pray it in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven,
1: We are at that time in our worship called the moment of gratitude, one of my very favorite times. In the olden days, pre-COVID, we would be passing a plate from hand to hand. But now, of course, we have opportunities to give in baskets as we enter the sanctuary, in baskets as we leave. And of course, on the back of your bulletin, there are a variety of ways that we can give. I'm quite sure that God is not so concerned how we give, but rather that we give with a generous and grateful heart. So during this time when we get to listen to some beautiful music from our friend, let us think of all that of which we are grateful for. Let us pray. Accept our offering of praise and our offering of ourselves, O God, along with our tithes and contributions towards our mission of loving God and loving neighbor. You have given us life and guidance for living. You have gifted us with your spirit to love and to give generously. We rejoice, O Lord, in the opportunity to receive and share your word. May the ministry in which all of us have a share bear much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
4: You may be seated. Thank you, Steve, for the introduction. I am very grateful for the opportunity to be able to explore the Word of God with you this morning. We are taking a break from our Windows on the Word series. We'll return to that next week. As was the case with Genevieve a few weeks ago, we, uh, as an assignment in seminary, chose from the, Re- the Revised Common Lectionary a Sunday, and this is the Sunday that I selected, so we will be hearing from both the Old and the New Testament. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, that we may hear with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Uh, first, a reading from 2 Kings in the fourth chapter, verses 42 to 44. A man came from Baal-shelisha, bringing food from the first fruits of the, to the man of God. 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elisha said, give it to the people and let them eat. But his servant said, how can I set this before a hundred people? So he repeated, give it to the people and let them eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. He set it before them. They ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John, chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, Six months' wages would not be enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. And now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. And then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told the disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up. And from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. This is the word of the Lord. On a clear day, you can almost see Texas from the cemetery where my dad was laid to rest next to his mom and dad in southeastern Colorado. The land is so flat and so wide that my dad used to joke that you could see all the way until next week. I imagine it's hot and dry there today, and that, as is the case most every day, the wind is blowing. There's simply nothing in its way to stop it. It's a place that's full of not enough. Not enough shade, not enough trees, not enough water to sustain life. The vast expanse of land where Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Colorado meet is a place where it's easy to see nothing. When one early explorer first found his way to this section of the Great Plains, he called it a desolate waste of uninhabited solitude. Another wrote that in regard to this extensive section of the country, I do not hesitate in giving the opinion that it is almost wholly uninhabitable by a people dependent on agriculture for their subsistence. Nevertheless, this is the corner of the world where much of my family settled, tended cattle, grew wheat, and raised their families. It is a land that by all measurable standards is not conducive to any of these pursuits. And in the 1930s, it was the center of the great American Dust Bowl. It was a season of scarcity in a place already resistant to human life. Thousands fled to California, many died, And my grandparents lived through those years and they were part of the two-thirds of the population that did not leave. One year of drought led to two, three, four, nearly a decade when nothing would grow. And these next year people who would say next year it will rain must have begun to worry that it would ever rain again. Women went mad trying to keep the dust that could not be stopped from coming into their homes and choking their children, who would spit out dirt in the morning. During the Dust Bowl, in her junior year of high school, my Nana buried two of her 20 classmates who were effectively suffocated by dust. She wrote in her diary that one of the few times she saw her dad, Gideon, cry was when he was left with no choice but to sell his cattle to the government, who then, given the scarcity of resources, had to kill every last head. Many thought it was the end of days. To, my to say my grandparents understood scarcity would be an understatement. Scarcity was more reliable than air. Yet somehow, despite all of this, they were people of great abundance. People who believed in Christian hope that next year it would rain, who believed without question that God would provide in this life or the next, They believed that beyond their circumstances was Jesus. And so despite having every reason not to be, they were grateful people and they considered themselves blessed. And there is something to this order of things, I think, the gratitude and then the blessing. When we give thanks not for everything but in everything, Especially in times of scarcity or fear or loss, we acknowledge that the grace of God lies beyond our own understanding and our circumstances. In today's scripture reading, we read that when faced with a large crowd of people, Philip and Andrew see that there's not enough. They see with their eyes the number of people, and they know intellectually that what they have is not enough to feed them. But what are they among so many, Philip asks. What they see is what they don't have, the resources they lack, and they are paralyzed by their inability to see beyond their own knowledge. And we hear the same from Elisha's servant. How can I set this before 100 people? It's this unknowable space beyond human comprehension that got Adam and Eve in so much trouble. They couldn't accept that the love and love and provision of God has no end, no limits, that it extends beyond what we can see and what we can know. They just had to know for themselves. In the abundance of the garden, they could only see what they did not have. They wanted more. They wanted the one thing God told them they couldn't have. For some, we are now emerging from a season of scarcity. And we're each walking through this pandemic in our own way. We're having our own experience, but there's no denying that most of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 has been a very hard season. Disease, isolation, division, violence. There is in the air we breathe a sense of scarcity. There is not enough to share. We cannot count on one another, every man for himself. Many have lost loved ones suddenly and too soon. We've been kept from bedsides and asked to grieve in isolation. There is in the air a hint of of end-of-day's fear. And the fear makes it hard to see anything other than that which we lack or that which we've lost until all of our attention, our energy is consumed by our fear and our wanting. And we all too often miss what's right in front of us. The love and grace and bounty in what we have. When Jesus takes the bread, the little bread that they have, before he distributes it to the people, he gives thanks. We read that Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when he had given thanks, only after he had given thanks, And the passage continues to tell us that all are fed, and then all the fragments are gathered up, and not one scrap of food is taken for granted. And there is gratitude, too, in this example of not wasting, of how we treat what we have been given. My Nana wrote in her diary that she was taught early and often to make do, make over, or do without. Hers was not a throwaway culture. In caring for and showing respect for every gift given, every resource, every person, we give thanks to God. Novelist Anne Voskamp writes that giving thanks always precedes the miracle. Because it is a miracle, what we read of in this passage from John, that 5,000 people are fed. It's such a miracle that we can find it in all four of the Gospels, that so little feeds so many How this actually happens has been the subject of much debate, which is not surprising given how highly we value our own ability to know and to understand. It's this aspect of the passage that we want to focus on our uh, attention. How how could it be? Like Adam and Eve, we want to know. Is it possible that beyond our own knowledge is the love of God and that it can and does do miraculous things all the time? Should we not then give thanks for what we've been given? Of course, this is harder to do on some days than others. It's hard to give thanks when you're starving. Nearly 7,000 people, men, women, and especially small children lost their lives to dust pneumonia in the 30s. Over 4 million lives have been lost to COVID. It's hard to give thanks when you lose your income or cancer cuts a life short, or your marriage is falling apart, or your child is sick. It's hard because we cannot imagine the pain or the loss not consuming us. We cannot see beyond our own circumstances. It's hard to give thanks when we know that our gratitude and our prayers don't necessarily mean that things are gonna go the way we want them to. I had a season of scarcity a few years ago. My dad died and we were, we were really close. Several of my family members then moved away in fairly rapid succession and I lost my job, and with it, my career, and I could barely process one loss before another was upon me, and I just couldn't see beyond my own sadness and my own fear. In such times, we're left to wonder, where do I even begin? How do I come back from this? In such seasons, we can feel cut off from God's abundant love. Voskamp writes that all fear is but the notion that God's love ends. But there is good news, there always is. God would not, will not leave us in such a state. God will not leave us in our fear. His word is a light to my path, a lamp to my feet. We can look to Jesus for guidance. Jesus, when facing scarcity, gave thanks. Jesus, when facing desertion, betrayal, suffering, and death, gave thanks. In everything he gave thanks, not for everything, and I think this is an important distinction, not for everything, but in everything. We begin by giving thanks in everything when we are struggling with where to start, with how to begin, we start small. Voskamp, whose older sister died in an accident when they were little, struggles with how to give thanks in everything, how to give thanks even in the darkest of times. So in confronting her fear that the love of God ends, she challenges herself to write 1,000 gifts. She knew that gratitude was something that she would have to learn, something that she would have to be intentional about. And so she starts with the small things, the things she might have otherwise missed if she wasn't looking because, understandably, it was hard for her to see anything other than the death of her sister, her sister's absence from the world, and the devastation it wrought on her family. She's not, of course, grateful that her sister died, but she learns to give thanks in what remains, in what lies before her. And what she finds is that in paying attention to the details of her life, the ordinary moments, is that it's clear that the love and mercy of God is absolutely everywhere. Her list begins, morning shadows across the old floors, jam piled high on toast, the cry of the blue jay from high in the spruce, leafy scent from the florist's shop. She writes, do not disdain the small, the whole of life, even the hard, is made up of their minute parts. And if I miss the infinitesimal, I miss the whole. Gratitude, the actual daily and constant practice of giving thanks can restore in us a faith in a God that is beyond our own resources. In counting our gifts, we see that beyond scarcity is Jesus. It turns out that my Nana kept just such a list, a list of gifts. She counted as gifts Baca County's beautiful sunsets, rainbows, the smell of fresh baked bread iced tea on a hot day, reading a good book, the sound of rain on the windowpane, a clean house, a forgiving God, and a good night's sleep. So we begin by listing gifts, and the gratitude, the gratitude, it does something to us. When we learn to give thanks, to count gifts, the world is transformed, and we no longer see human scarcity, but the abundant love of a God who is with us, a God who is for us. I'm not grateful my dad died, but I am grateful I had him. I'm not grateful people moved away, but I am grateful for the people who moved into the spaces and the margin that their moving created in my life. God has worked through the most devastating losses of my life, and from the ashes of that season of scarcity a few years ago, new friends, more compassion, and a sense of call that led me to where I am today. In our second reading, we hear the fourth of the miracles of Elisha, which helped to establish Elisha as Elijah's uh, legitimate successor. Just a few verses before today's reading, we learn that there is a famine in the land, so this time was a great hunger time as well. An unnamed man gives thanks to God with his offering of the first fruits of his harvest. Which is, this is the first and the best of what he's labored to produce in a season of great scarcity. In making this offering, he's trusting in God's love and providence, trusting that there'll be enough left for his family. And miraculously, it feeds a hundred people. How this happens? Well, to debate the issue is perhaps to miss the point. It feeds a hundred people because God's word is true, even in the hardest of times. God's word is grounded in God's love, and God's love is so big and so wide and so deep that it surpasses all human knowledge. It surpasses circumstance. Gratitude always precedes the miracle, and the miracle is this, that in Christ, God is with us, On his way to the cross, Jesus gathers with his disciples and there he gives thanks and he breaks bread. Jesus assures them that though they will feel sorrow and weep and mourn and have pain, he promises, I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Beyond what we know is Jesus. Beyond our circumstances is the love of God. And the path to take to reconnect to what we cannot understand has been laid before our feet. We give thanks. We start small. We list our gifts. We list what we see. In times on days when we fear that there isn't enough, we can learn to see with new eyes, to list the gifts of each day. What gifts do I see? A cool sanctuary on a hot day? Brandon singing my Nana's very favorite hymn, The Beauty of Voices Raised in Song. What gifts do you see? How might we become a people who are grateful in everything? People who say, as we have been taught, Father, give us this day our daily bread, and then give thanks for what we have been given, for this manna, for these miracles in our midst. now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. Amen.